This is Debris in Turn 3, and we are back for an all-new season. We are coming to you pre-recorded on a snowy evening in BEA, beautiful Brooklyn, New York City. If you're new to the podcast, my name is Matt. My name is Dan. Uh, we're just a couple of New York Yankees. Actually, we're Mets fans and that love to talk all things racing from the NASCAR Cup Series down to the Mighty Modifieds to IndyCar, MotoGP, IMSA, and all the racing in between. However, on our show, we'll be talking more about the Cup Series, really, than anything else. And make sure to follow us on Instagram, at debrisinturn underscore three, and on Twitter, at debrisinturn three, to keep up with our fantasy league and some NASCAR jokes along the way. Uh, speaking of fantasy, this year we switched our league from NASCAR Fantasy Live to Fantrax.com. The league is called Debris in Turn 3, naturally. Uh, it's an open league, and there's still time to join. Right now, we have about 30 entries, which is pretty good. Um, but let's get some more. So we'll tweet out a link yeah. and go ahead and join. Ben, a lot of guys showing up and uh, entering the Fantrax League. That's great. We're excited to be back for this season. Uh, love the new theme song, Dan. Thank you. A lot of, a lot of work in the off season, I guess, getting that all set and ready for the new show today. Yeah, I was uh, channeling my inner Matt Dillner. You know, I like I guess, it. Uh, yeah. Production-wise. Yeah, yeah Dan uh, wears many hats here at the Debris and Turn 3 <laughs> fan cast and producer, co-host, and amongst other things. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we made it through Speed Weeks 2019, Daytona 500, the 61st running. We'll get into that in a little bit in the show, but uh, before we do anything else... Let's take a trip down into the winner's circle and find out who took home the checkered flag last week. This week in the winner's circle for the Cup Series, Denny Hamlin took home the win in the Great American Race. It was his second career Daytona 500 win, and he was miraculously one of three cars that was not involved in a wreck. A lot of tires out there. A lot of uh, Very an emo- emotional win for the Gibbs Racing Team. Yes. And for the other two lower series, it was a weekend of firsts. Uh, Michael Annette, driving the number one for Junior Motorsports, got his first career win in the Xfinity Series. And apparently got his confidence back. Okay. <laughs> in the Truck Series, Austin Hill won and also got his first career win. Georgia boy, 24 years old. Apparently, apparently there was no trucks left anyway, so I guess he was kind of the <laughs> only one. a lot of wrecks in the race also. So this is the first season where I'm really noticing the transition of drivers from one series to the next. I'm noticing a lot of the truck guys are now in Xfinity and kind of have to learn a whole new roster of truck guys. Yeah, when the 200 race for the Friday night, I saw just the starting grid. It's like, where did these guys come from? Who are some of them? So, Right, but that's that's the fun part about racing. Then we, now we get to look into who uh, you know Austin Hill is and find out where he's from and right. right, you know how he got his start, whether it's in late models, dirt racing, and all that. And I know what you're saying. At first, I, I saw that on the sheet. I was like, "Where's where the guys moving up?" And I'm like, "Yeah, because there is like Cindric and uh, uh, and the likes of those guys. They're like, they're all up there now." Um, so going back 
to the following weekend uh, in the ARCA series. Uh, Harrison Burton won the Lucas Oil 200. And also in honorable mention to two-time Modified Tour champion Andy Sice for his first career start at Daytona and coming home with a ninth-place finish. Um, also in the K&N East Series, Derek Krause got the win at the New Smyrna 175. And shout-out to Matt Hirschman, who won the 53rd Annual World Series of Asphalt Racing, as well as all the other feature winners from New Smyrna, Bronson, and Volusia County Speedways during Speed Week. Love the short track coverage on FanChoice.tv. Very grateful. Happy to catch those races each and every night. Yep. And congrats to Ryan Priest for the victory in the Richie Evans Memorial Race that also included remembering Ted Christopher. And what a great Daytona 500 for Priest. Top 10. So congratulations. I mean, what a race in the rookie yes. season. Going down there and competing. JT Doherty team number 47 top 10 awesome yeah first time at Daytona and gets an 8th place finish like what and dive in between those through wrecks which again we'll get to later but well, he raced with the Xfinity series correct yeah but this was his first cup Daytona race. 500 yeah, yeah. The first Day Daytona 500, 500. Yeah. Yeah. let's like be clear everything is different yeah. like that <laughs> those, those truck races 300 Daytona 500 so let's move on to the Debris and Turn 3 Fantasy League Matt what do you got for us in our inaugural event at Fantrax.com, Debris and Turn 3, first place, Mythos Motorsports. Rigged. Hey, look, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank the team, everybody back at the shop for all their hard work in the offseason that gave us a really fast car for the Daytona 500, and uh, we're going to give it our all this season and try to finally bring home that championship. Right. You do know you're not actually behind the wheel of the car, right? You're just picking people online. I am picking, picking online. those drivers <laughs> and uh, carefully curating and tinkering with my team each and every Sunday. So right, I just want to make sure. In second place, they, uh, the White Soul Motorsports uh, entry with 223.5 points. Third, Team Vegas Band, a familiar uh, entry at the top of the board. Fourth, Chicken Pit Racing is back. And fifth, SK Racing with our top five. So a great, great turnout, guys. Thank you very much, and we're looking forward to lots of fun this season in the Debris and Turn 3 Fantasy Racing League. You'll find that at Fantrax. It's an open league, still time to join, and we're going to have lots of other games and events going on along the season, maybe some All-Star and other championship events, like the Wave Rounders, which also had its first event last weekend, and we're going to give the shout to FNK Racing. We're on the backs of Michael McDowell, one, and now has somehow four playoff points already for the season because I decided at the end of the season last year to award two playoff points to the yeah. winner of the Homestead race. So there's so. more rules that I, no one understands in this game. Hey, it was a tight battle to the finishing playoffs last season. So if you find yourself victorious in our full league, Debris and Turn 3, you gain yourself entry to the Wave Arounders League, a little side game that we do where the backmarkers become the stars of the league. So what we do in these uh, middle two segments of the Wave Arounders League, we have an MVP that gives you a bonus pick, whoever scores the most points for you, but they also settle the tiebreakers. But in the first part of the season, we don't have that. So we're going to play a little game here real quick and spin the wheel with all the drivers on it and get the 
tie-breaking driver for the wave ramp drive. So, Dan, please, yes. uh, pick a number between one and six to see who's going to go first. Uh, four. Number four. That is be FNK Racing with the first pick and spinning the wheel. Not be happy with Ty Dillon. <laughs> All right, Dan, another number, please. Uh, two. Two. That's Chicken Pit Racing. Gets Ryan Priest. Whoa. Popular pick. Dan, one, three, five, or six. Uh, five. Number five. Chuck. Look at his team name at the moment. <laughs> Paul Menard. All right. All right. Okay, you can do something with that. All right. What numbers are left? One, three, six. Three. That'd be me with the Mythos Motorsports machine. Oh, come on. <laughs> David Reagan. <laughs> one and six. Uh, one. One. High, wide, and handsome. That's me. Daniel Suarez getting the right. pass machine. So that leaves last year's champion, White Flag Lap, and we'll spin the wheel for his entry. Ryan Newman with the number six Roush machine. Right. Okay, not too bad. All right, so there we have it. Those guys are just going to be for our tiebreakers because every now and again, when a guy scores one or two points, that happens. <laughs> now we're going to move on to a new segment on the show for this year. It's called... Bonehead move of the week. So every week we're going to award one driver from the Cup Series for making a bonehead move. Because, you know, there's always that one guy that does something incredibly stupid that either costs another driver a win or they just screw up somehow, like messing up on a restart or like running out of gas, hitting a wall. Pit road penalty. Pit, yeah, it's just like at anything. An opportune time. Yeah, any, anything even, can happen. Even the crew, right? Pitting yeah. outside the box or something yeah. like that. So uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, we're just going to award someone for the bonehead move of the week. So for week number one, bonehead move of the week goes to the entire Rick Ware racing team <laughs> for their coordinated effort in spinning out while trying to get onto pit road and taking out the seven-time champ from contention for the win. See, I, all week long, I was before we got into the show, I was like, absolutely. And I'm looking at the replay right, right now. <laughs> it's coming up on the TV as we got the Daytona 500. It's like in the Cody background. Ware. What is he like? He never lifted. He just no, like he's wrecking no. down the entire pit road. And he said, like, "I'm just going to stand on it, man, and get myself out of this, and just take out everybody." So at, when I was watching this race, and we had said like, "Yeah, we'll maybe do a little joke about like well, guys that do silly things during the race." So obviously, that's just one leaps off the screen. It's like, of course, Rick Ware racing and their synchronized spin down pit lane. But I'm going to change it up just a little bit. And okay. like you said, it took out the seven-time champ. What was he doing down there? He was going down pit lane without his teammate, with Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse, a complete mishmash of drivers. Yeah. So I don't know if this was his new crew chief and their decision out on the racetrack because William Byron's team with uh, Chad Canals but seemed to be up front, and yeah. the 48 team was up front and looking strong, too. And it was just a bad time for them to be on pit lane, obviously. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they took them out of the win because he looked like he had a chance for quite a while. So that was the bonehead move of the week for week one. Uh, let's talk about the Daytona 500. 
feel like we just did that. We just had it in the background and watched the, the last yeah. couple of restarts. And man, what it was a really fantastic race. I thought. I thought this was a great race. Um, it was riveting and compelling. Yeah. The whole way. Stage one, stage two. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there commenting. I've been listening to shows and reading comments that none of them really thought that this was a good race. Uh, but, I mean, I thought this was one of the better 500s. And, you know, like you said, it was very compelling, the first two stages. There was a point in stage two where I was very happy that Matt Benedetto was out leading. Uh, but they had broken up into three packs and they were running single file and kind of like middle of stage two. It was like a little like, eh. but once he caught up to that big pack and like started lapping Classic. cars, that's like when it got exciting. That was fun racing right yeah. there. Wow. Watch seeing the, you can see the panic on the drivers. Kyle Larson yeah. making a three wide, trying to stay on the lead lap. Who, who wants to go down a lap at the Daytona 500? Yeah. And Matt DiBenedetto was driving like he was trying to ruin some guy's days <laughs> yeah. and making passes. But this whole this whole race, I feel like the story behind this whole race is these team orders and alliances mm-hmm. and just these messages. And it was uh, it just races a little mix of old school, new school, because, you know, it all started in the driver's meeting because we were all looking at this race and we were looking at the truck race, the carnage that happened. Yeah. And then we we're looking at the Xfinity race and the single file parade that they put on. And we've seen what had happened in past restricted plate races when that high lane had developed. So rightfully so, a lot of race fans and a lot of people covering the races were concerned and asking questions of whether or not this year's race was going to be the same way. Right. And it was you know, the full moon and the, 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 the whole race and all that coming into play. Yeah. And maybe having a France in the driver's meeting reminding these drivers that this is the Daytona 500. It's a Super Bowl of stock car racing. Right. And you're in the entertainment business. You're putting on a show. And there's 100,000 fans sitting in the seats here. And NASCAR is where it is right now. And put the pedal to the metal, make some passes and let everyone, you know, go have it like a the right. classic people on the 500. So to your point, yes, the, the high line kind of like always at Daytona, but I feel like a lot in the last couple of years, the high line has been that preferred groove. So the guys are always going to go up there and the, the low line can never really get going. There's never enough guys that want to go down there. So, yeah, the, the high line is always going to be the preferred groove there. But, uh, you know, having Jim France there, having that be the reason that they race double file, I, I don't really agree with that. I think it was more of the fact that, you know, there's new blood in NASCAR. You know, Brian France is out kind of like there's going to be some changes in the next couple of years with the schedule and with this Gen 7 car. So I think the drivers all know that, NASCAR is kind of on this like uptick and they're going to like turn around. So at least having Brian France in there and having uh, Jim France and having some, you know, kind of like new blood in that driver's meeting, maybe, uh, you know, didn't make them race double file, but at least kind of doesn't. Yeah, it's his doesn't make them race double file. Mm -hmm. But where has Brian France been in the last several years of his leadership of the series? Nowhere to be found whatsoever yeah and you hear these stories 
you watch that Daytona drama danger dedication video <laughs> back yeah. in the day, right? And you'd seen it each and every year, dude, having a France up there, like having some sort of message in the driver's meeting. I think these guys are on the racetrack and, and they know where the sport is right now. Yeah. And I think they know what, I mean, they all know what this race means and they all want that trophy. But I think that since the pack racing and how the carnage that has developed over the last several seasons with the wrecks, a lot of these guys just want to survive these super speedway races and the Daytona 500 has become one of those races as well where they're just right. kind of want to just get out of here with some points. And, you know, some guys want to mix it up and, of course, be more aggressive because they want that trophy. Uh, but other guys just still would uh, rather have no part of it. But this is still our biggest event in the sport. And there's people complaining that there was no passing. Uh, I mean, it's pack racing. It's not like, you know, you're in a pack, you're double file. You can't really make that many moves. But I feel like all they were talking about the entire race was side drafting. You see guys, Logano is doing it all the time. They're they're side drafting. They're making moves. Logano knows how to make it through that draft almost better than anybody. The Penske guys. Yeah. And I, I would almost say that he's surpassing. Brad Keselowski on a super speedway. I think yeah. Joey Logano right now is the best super speedway driver in the series. Yeah, I could agree with you on that one. He has that Yates power, the Ford performance, and he was just gaming guys out there all race long, yeah. just kind of making them think one way, going the other. I was like, pff, I'm watching them like, you didn't see that coming? Yeah. Like, come on. And, 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 and he's got the car to do it, and he knows how to hang it out there in, the, in that high line and make those moves. Because that's how... I mean, you watch old races at Daytona, they, they, that's a classic move. You know, they just yeah. go outside, going into the corner, and use that momentum, because that's where the groove yeah, is Yeah, and that's what Daytona. he was. He was making those moves on the outside, and just putting people in the middle. Yeah. Oh, like, the high line that has developed over the last few years is actually the old school classic groove at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Like they guys, people want more pack racing, but you said yeah, the passing is where, where can you go in the pack? It's the two hundred mile an hour traffic jam. <laughs> yeah, and these guys just get stuck. But back in the day when they would race, they would be in that draft. You leader would go into turn three, go to the low line, and kind of go high and use that momentum all the way around the corner. Bobby Allison be flying around the corner in nineteen eighty two. 190 miles an hour flying yeah. so fantastic racing i thought it was a great daytona 500 yeah. and just I even mean, with just, the red flags at the end like yeah it was a lot of stop and go and everything but like i feel like that it was, made it, it was more a little like took a little too long it yeah. was did drag out a little too long but it still had a lot of a lot of drama at the end of it yeah and even with not that many cars left i know like Kyle Busch was saying that, oh, you know, there's only six cars out there, so there wasn't really much of, uh, you know, for that bottom line to really come in on those last couple of laps. But, yeah, I thought this was a great 500. I, me too. Very competitive. And good for Denny Hamlin taking home the win with the whole J.D. Gibbs legacy that you heard <laughs> yeah. the coach say a few times. So, real real, Which, real you know, yeah, that was that's great that, you know, the whole J.D. Gibbs 11 car, you know, winning and everything. But there was also someone else that passed that was part of a big team that was also out on the track. And that was Glenn Wood of the Wood Brothers on the 21. So he was up there telling Paul Menard, you got to wreck this entire field. <laughs> I want a 21 car crash for the 21 yeah. car this year. 
One of the <laughs> most memorable. Uh, what, I used to love Matt Dillner doing the garage walk. Yeah. On YouTube, what, yeah. it's great. And one of the best clips ever, and what, why that little segment was awesome, was he was in the back end of the garage, I don't even remember where, like kind of going around, and it was a couple of cars in one stall, a couple of empty stalls, and he was going around, yeah. and he catches Glenn Wood, just 90 years old, just hoofing <laughs> it back there, like all alone, going yeah. like from like point A to point B in the garage, and kind of seeing the camera, looking at it, and being like... Like what's and then this and then he was like, hey, who's Glenn Wood right here? Let's catch up. And he was having like a quick, two minute conversation with, with him. Like yeah. that's like classic stuff that I'll never forget. Which is like, what racing, racing is great, and who you see in the pit area in the garage, and yeah. the little conversations, and the, I mean, all the way from going on Saturday night after the races at Riverhead, yeah. even to walking along pit lane and just meeting some other fans, like we did at Talladega when I was down there at the race in October with my dad. Race fans are, are, are great, and I love it when race car drivers interact with the fans. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at the end of the recap here. We have it on the background. Uh, Corey Lujoy was still out there at the end, even though he lost <laughs> half his face at lap 20. Yeah. <laughs> that guy has some of the worst luck in racing, but he had that Old Spice sponsor. going to come back next week at Atlanta. They're going to their win by our whisker campaign. He's going to have his face on the car again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a great scheme. I love it. It was a great scheme. It's very it was a whole old good spice. campaign. Yeah, yeah, and that was good. It was a cool sponsor to see them uh, the, the, to be there. You know, he they, yeah. Old Spice has been around, of course, with Tony Stewart for a while, and it's great to see them on the car and sponsoring a guy like Corey LaJoy. Yeah, it was a it was a great race. Kyle Busch won the first stage, and mm-hmm. then in the second stage, you had that whole part again where they had the whole yeah. pit strategy, and then. That's when we started to hear about that alliance become developed between Chevrolet, HMS, and yeah. Gibbs. Right. And then Nate Ryan reported the next day for NBC saying how Denny Hamlin is making text messages with HMS crew chiefs and uh. because they're trying to combat the Fords <laughs> and their whole, uh, the way their whole pitting in unison and drafting out there. So a right. lot was developing over the race. Yeah, we're seeing a lot more of the manufacturers. Regardless of team, you know all the all the Fords are working together, uh, the Chevys and obviously the Chevys and the Toyotas uh, were working together in this 500. But I like that, you know, it, it gives a little more strategy, um, it makes it a little more interesting rather than just seeing like the four cars of one team, you know, going at it. But I I didn't like then the team orders, right? I, making alliances and ha- having to make tough decisions and working with your enemies out there on the racetrack to make progress is just yeah. something you have to do at this stage of the game and uh, super speedway racing and the cup series. But how about the the dancing that they do on the restarts towards the end of, end of the race? And basically just they're running block over the back of the field and telling their drivers to let one guy down and in and... I mean, that's pretty much what that they were. It was feel. It felt like Gibbs was so much concerned about just having their car win right. and having their teams finish up front, and also blocking the twenty-two car the best that they could at the end of the race. Well, like I said, there wasn't many cars left at the end of the race, and the cars that were left were all involved in wrecks. Like I said, there was only like three cars that weren't involved in any wrecks and that was which is basically why, the gibbs cars <laughs> uh, which is also was michael mcdowell's reasoning for not wanting to go with joey logano at the end yeah. of the race we said he thought he had damage on his race car which but, i thought it was a little silly for joey logano to be complaining with that at that time of the race 
Really, you're going into the last corner and you're complaining that you're, you're talking about manufacturer alliance and who's pushing who. However, watching the move here as we see it starting, like what was Michael McDowell? It was a, it was a terrible move to go. It was he went with like the slower guy. He went with like he he could have pushed the twenty two card uh, of the Ford of Logano on the inside. Instead, he went high. Oh, this yeah. is the wreck. Yeah, this wreck. Yeah, this. Oh, and yeah. I even heard mention and seeing from that view is that is correct. Th- that pass would have been probably suspect anyway for review from NASCAR because from that view right there, it looked like Clint Boyer was going below the yellow line. Cowboy Clint? No, I don't Cowboy think he. <laughs> Cowboy Clint going below. You know, you, I don't think he, he went on... below the line. Uh, I think that would have been a fine pass. He just thought he was clear when he wasn't. But I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, Michael McDowell didn't. Shouldn't really have been up there anyway. Um, there's a lot of guys that were faster than him, especially on that other restart because Logano was all over his back bumper and he's oh, blocking. Re- it's like the wreck that took out Kevin Harvick, who yeah, yeah, looked yeah. like he was stalking the entire <laughs> front of the field through the whole race. I was, the, I was watching the race going. The 22 guy, don't let that 22 get up there. Don't let that number four get up there. That's what I kept saying the whole race. And watch it. Don't let. I was all worried about like these guys getting up to the front. Yeah. Like, don't let him get up there. <laughs> uh, and then so and the first response I heard from that Rick, everyone was concerned about Kevin Harvick would be upset with Ricky Stenhouse, but it looked like Kevin Kyle Larson. Came down, came yeah. down and pushed everybody. Yeah. Stenhouse uh, was going for the middle. Larson came down. And blocking. if you ask me, that like, whole recto starts from I hate saying it, Michael McDowell though, <laughs> yeah, being the first car in that outside line. Joey Logano just trying to get rid of him, but can't. <laughs> Which I noticed a lot in this race that a lot of the veteran drivers had no time for the slower cars that might be, yeah. you know, lower on the horsepower. Yeah. And the rookie drivers, they were just bumping them and just wanted them out of line. Had no time I mean, to follow them. I mean, as it should be. You're aggressive driving out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, these guys, I mean, and I think aggressive driving is something that the race car drivers need to be concerned and conscious about when they go into these super speedway races because yeah. like they're... Well, it should well, say... Well, like their message that they had before the race yeah. from a France for the Daytona 500 is that this is a show that you're putting on for the, for the fans. Sure, you want to win, but you can't be making boneheaded moves out there that's right. going to take out 21 cars and kill all the momentum from a great race because, sure, wrecks happen in racing and it what makes it thrilling because of that danger and excitement that comes along with being the hero and winning the great American race. Right. But... You can't make a bonehead move and push the 95 car halfway down the back straightaway and then spin him out going into turn three and take out the whole line of race cars. Right. So I want to bring up something that's kind of going to wrap up this 500 conversation and then flow into next week at Atlanta. And that's the fact that this was the last restrictor plate race ever. An end of an era. Yeah. Next week at Atlanta, or I should say this week at Atlanta, they're going with the tapered spacer, and then when they go back to when they go to Talladega, back to Daytona and Talladega again, they will be using the tapered spacer and the aero ducts. So easing into the whole thing, though. I don't know. I mean, I kind of get it. Like starting a new rules package on the first race of the season, maybe it wouldn't have been as exciting of a race. Like they got, they know this rules package already. Um, I know a lot of guys stayed after the 500 to test this new package for when they come back to Daytona. I heard it was three drivers. So three guys are going to have an advantage on everyone. <laughs> but the fact is that there's going to be a new rules package when they come back to Daytona. We have no idea how they're going to race 
when they come back, you know? So the whole strategy of, well, pl- of super I, speedway racing is going to be different. Sure. Probably. And you and I were both at the 2013 Daytona 500 when they yeah. debuted the Gen 6 car. And yeah. th- we pretty much watched a single file parade for 500 miles. Yeah. And that's what we suspected was that maybe they were a little concerned about how this new car was going to handle and they didn't really trust it and right. they didn't dice it up as much. So that's a good point. So yeah. maybe NASCAR was like, look, it's a Daytona 500. Let's stick with something we know for our big race. Yeah. And then we'll move forward in the season. Ah, you know, I can get, if that was how they perhaps thought about it, I can get on board with that. Yeah. So uh, let's wrap up this uh, Daytona 500 conversation. Oh, man, and it's my favorite time of the year. Though, I know, I know. I know. We could talk forever about it, but we got to move on. Um, let's actually, there wasn't that much news, um, but let's just move on to the news section of the show. So I'm part of this uh, NASCAR fan council, and they send out surveys at the end of each race, and they've been... Um, putting them out sporadically throughout the off season. There was one the other day. It was all about the schedule for next for the for the, for the coming years. So they were asking questions about if you would be into midweek racing, yes. uh, double headers, yes. uh, reducing the number of races in a season or the length uh, month wise for the yes. season. Yes. Um, what races you would move within mm-hmm. the schedule. I have thoughts. Uh, what tracks you would put on the schedule or take away. I could give input. These were like for real like questions that NASCAR wants to know, you know, to, to make you the schedule in the next couple of years. wordy answers in these responses? And um, the, the way that the questions were. You, they say agree, somewhat agree, strongly agree. Yeah, it was those types of questions. But then it was also like talking about the number of races at each track and they listed every track they go to and say, put your perfect schedule together and Ooh. how many races you would go. Wow. And then there was open question, like open answers where you'd be like at the next section, at the next part of that question, they would say, all right, you said other track, what other tracks would you go to? So I put in Nashville fairgrounds. I put in Rockingham, North Wilkesboro, which probably would never really Rock. happen, but like just saw yeah. a clip on Instagram of the rock today with Matt Kenseth just inching out Casey Kane. Fantastic. That racetrack was great with Jamie yeah. McMurray right behind And they're, start, they're making some repairs at Rockingham. You know, they're hoping to come back in the next couple of years. So, um, you know, with this uh, survey that just went out, you know, NASCAR is, like, they said that everything is on the table. They're asking the fans. And I think doubleheaders, if they're going to go to a track twice, do a doubleheader at Bristol or Martinsville or something like that. Midweek racing, uh, like a Wednesday night at a track that's, you know, relatively close to Charlotte. So there's not that much travel time for the teams. I mean, these are all, I would also, what I said about the length of the season, start in February, end in September, cut two months off. Yes. Do the double headers and the midweek races and end before the NFL starts and the hockey season. I'm on board with that. We've been saying that since we started <laughs> doing this podcast a couple of seasons ago. I want to see that short track. I not not only do I want to see these midweek races, yeah. but like I've told you, I want to see mid-season tournaments. I want to see certain races be tied together, those crown jewel races. Mm-hmm. I want to see if you score the most points or that, you win a little prize or money or bonus points, whatever. Yeah. Let NASCAR decide like what that up, but. But I want to see these races get tied together a little more during the season. So that was a really interesting survey that went out. So hopefully, you know, when they redo the schedule in 2020 or whatever it is, we'll see some of these changes. So let's move on to, let's just look ahead to Atlanta. 
coming up this weekend. As I said, they're doing the new rules package here. However, they're only using the tapered spacer. They're not using the arrow ducts. So the front of the car is still going to be sealed up. So this package that they're using at Atlanta is also going to be used at Pocono for both races, Darlington and Homestead. So every other mile and a half will use the aero ducks, except for those couple of tracks. We'll have a lot to talk about after all these races. Also, this weekend is a triple header, and Vegas will be the in two weeks will be the first race that we'll see this full uh, package being used. And as we talk, and we talk about how NASCAR can be creative with their weekend schedule, how about they start to look at their qualifying setup again, also? Because with this rules package, there's been some back and forth in the garage about uh, how it's going to help certain drivers and hurt others about where they are positioned on the racetrack and going out, and it's suspected to cause a lot of confusion. There's still a lot of people out there that really like this one-car qualifying. For these cup guys and for the crowds and the show, the qualifying's got to be part of the show. Unless you're just going to cut it out to streamline the weekend, then if you're doing midweek races and you want to tie the races from one together, like I had mentioned before, yeah. then maybe they just start the next race how they finished the race before or invert or the field yeah, yeah, yeah. from their finishing positions the prior week. Because right now, I don't have a problem with the group qualifying. I don't think group qualifying works so much compared to other racing series with the way the tires wear, and you get that one hot lap. Right. That's good. Uh, I think that they need to do something kind of how IndyCar works when they go to the ovals and they take an average speed mm-hmm. over several laps. Yeah, you, I think we need to account for the fall-off in the qualifying and go out there, race a couple of, you need a four lap average and right. tires fall off and save them for, I mean, you might put 10, 15 laps in qualifying and it might not be the guy who's out there and runs the fastest, hottest lap around the racetrack. And we might not ever get a guy that see some people want to see. They want that record, another yeah. track yeah. record. Right. And listen, I want to see something more entertaining, though, than uh, one guy on TV going around the racetrack. You want to see something more entertaining. Are you home on Friday at 1 o'clock to watch qualifying? Like, who's watching this on TV? And they're doing everything for the TV ratings, but why is qualifying on TV on a Friday afternoon when everyone's at work? I mean, yes, the people that are there for the weekend to go see the race, but what is the point of putting qualifying on TV when... Whoa, 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 hold the phone here, because let's not go back to the times when qualifying was not on TV, and right? and Because well, qualifying on TV every weekend is great, and mm-hmm. should stay on TV, and there's a lot of people that are manning the cameras and the cables and all that. So and then, then maybe do it on Saturday before, like, next... I don't want to see qualifying the day on, on the day of the race, so maybe just do it on a Saturday then, you know? But I, obviously they want it on TV. But should it be more of an, an event qualifying no i don't think it needs to be this big spectacle just go out run your laps get the fastest time and you start on the the grid one single fastest lap so it could be one lap it could be group qualifying no it could be group qualifying it could be single car uh qualifying this is what i want these drivers and some race fans need to start rethinking is that everything you thought about racing right now has to like change because everything in sports is changing. There's going to be a pitch clock in baseball, right? right? It's, it's so much. It's, it's happening. Like, 
and we need to keep these viewers and qualifying as much as myself as a hardcore race fan could sit there and stop watch the guys at time travels in the stands myself I, you're not catching the kids and the fans and all that at the racetrack I think you need to put them out there in a couple of sessions and give us an average of your best three laps on the racetrack and if guy gets in front of you and blocks you, then you gotta run another lap. Just burn right. your tires up. You gotta find space on the racetrack. You have to get the fastest lap in those races. And if you wreck that race car, man, you just race wrecked your race race car. Right. And you're gonna have some people have some words in the garage about it. And so guess what? You're gonna have to find a way to make yourself fast, and you're gonna have to find a way not to wreck your wreck your race car. Which to me sounds like racing. And right. if qualifying becomes a little version of racing and a little race in itself, then so be it. Because that sounds pretty exciting for like a maybe 45-minute show on, mm-hmm. th- you know, th- during the weekend before uh, the Xfinity race on Saturday right. or a truck race on Friday. Yeah, this has been a very spirited debate. Let's move on to some... <laughs> Uh, some uh, predictions before we wrap up the show. So the new rule for the winner, instead of going to the R&D center, they're going to do the post-race inspection there. Um, so obviously Denny Hamlin won this week and they did not find any violations in the rules. So his win stands, but someone is going to have their win taken away from them this year. So I think it's going to be Kevin Harvick. I know Ooh. he got away. You know, there was a lot of you know stuff about him last year with the whole roof thing and everything. You would think the back that back window. Yeah, the back was... window. Yeah. So you would think that maybe they wouldn't try and bend the rules a little bit to try and get away with something. But I have a feeling that it's going to be them. Can I take the high road here and say none? I think all the drivers are going to be very well none. behaved all season. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you have to pick someone. Oh man. Well, I man. I, the entire off season, I honestly, I was like, that's definitely going to be Kevin Harvick and that team. But I'm going to go with the heel, make it easy on myself. I'm going to say Kyle Busch and the, oh. the 18 machine. It's a good pick. Actually, no, I take that back. I take that back. Okay. <laughs> Paul Wolf and the number two machine and Brad Keselowski. Yeah, okay. absolutely. As you were talking, I want to talk about people pushing the limits. Like you said, Cheating is cheating in that and racing. It's uh, you're pushing the limits. You're looking for yeah. speed. So sometimes it could be also called creativity. Okay, um, let's also predict who's going to win the championship this year. Dan, I'll let you take that one first again. Oh, okay. It's going to be someone that has been in a ride for a few years and has that chemistry with their crew chief. Like this has been a lot of changes this year. You know what? I'm going to make the fans happy. I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott. Ooh, so you're talk you're saying that Alan Gustafson and Chase Elliott relationship there is gonna pay off. Yep, because he ha- he went on that run in this playoffs last year. So if he can kind of keep that momentum going all throughout the season and make the playoffs, I think he can do it. Okay, so you're looking you're saying that you're gonna have the this chemistry that has developed over time. I'm gonna say that you we're gonna just look at the Daytona 500 and Denny Hamlin, his new crew chief. Winning the 500. I'm saying it's going to be a new relationship, but you're going to see a familiar winner, and I'm going to make the fans happy, and I'm going to say we're going to see history made this year as Jimmy Johnson takes home that eighth championship and then retires into the sunset All right. with his one-year deal at Alley Financial because <laughs> he looks strong at Daytona like he wanted to win. He got some bad luck, and he's not going to quit on this season. And I don't know. That's, that car looks strong again, and Hendrick was back up front. 
at and they're on the pole with William Byron at Daytona, and I think that team's back this year. All right, so who's going to have the most wins this season? Kyle Busch. I'm going to go with his teammate, Martin Truex Jr. Ooh, okay. Bold prediction. I don't see Martin bouncing back after his really tough defeat last year. I think he's going to... He's going to need a season. I think that's fuel to get him to get those wins. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cole Perns, yeah. yeah. That's definitely a chemistry team right there. All right, so now... If like the show's got to end because I can't talk no more. <laughs> no, we got one more thing. There's one more thing? Yeah, we have to pick... Sound uh, like my boss. One more thing. <laughs> We're going to do a little game between the two of us. We're going to pick a driver, one driver each week that we do the show, a top driver that we think is going to have the worst finish in the race. Yeah, so, we a couple of, over the last few seasons, we've tried to have a little fantasy game because yeah. this is a fantasy show. This is a yeah. show about the fantasy league. The Debris and Turn 3 Fantasy League over at Fantrax.com. <laughs> Open league. Please join. <laughs> we need more the merrier. You can get in the all-star race soon coming up. We always have like a little extra game here between the two of us. And uh, at the end of the year, I don't know, wager a beer or something like that when we head out and the season's mm-hmm. all said and done. And I think it would be fun because maybe have us uh, maybe pick somebody that gets in the way of our fantasy pick come uh, Sunday. So who's going to finish terrible at Atlanta on Sunday? I'm going to go with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in the pool? Right? He's high enough. He'll be in it. He'll be in it because you'll pick him. Mm -hmm. So, man, you're going with the Roush guy right off the bat. Yeah. Man, oh, man. I'm going to go with Eric Jones. Okay. I think that's the show. So Is that a show? Yeah. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to be back in two weeks after the race and in Vegas. So that should be a good sample size for this new rules package because they're two fast mile-and-a-half tracks, and we'll have something to say then. Yeah, we'll get to see how it's worked with the package as it's started to blend into the season. These guys are suspected to be fast, run wide open, draft, and... Hopefully make some passes and... Maybe see some pack racing. Pack racing around the mile and a half racetrack. <laughs> Who knows? All right, man. It, yeah. Dude, this was uh, fun to get back and do another Debris and Turn 3 fan cast. It's, it had been a while. I don't even think that we did a wrap-up show really last yeah, season. Yeah, we just kind of just like fell We're kind of terrible podcast hosts sometimes. <laughs> sometimes really good. But this year, we're going to be really, really good. This year, we're going to be really good? Yeah, we got memes. Yeah, man, it's been some funny memes. Yeah, Ryan Priest shared our Who meme. made those? That was you. I didn't even know you were capable of making memes. I don't know. I don't do anything funny. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just look. I just watch racing and just think of Days of Thunder at the same time all the time. <laughs> well, there's much plenty it. of material in this sport. So. Oh yeah, this year I can't. I'm looking forward to this season. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I think the drivers are gonna be, like I said, pushing it. Uh, it's really competitive and. You and I here at Debris and Turn 3 with our Fantasy League, uh, with everybody out there, going to have a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, like you said, after Vegas. We're not going to cut these drivers any slack this season. (laughs) We want to be entertained, and we want this league, and we want NASCAR, the Cup Series, to be great for years to come. And we're going to help by just pushing this Fantasy League and having fun. Hell yeah. And just follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, like, comment, comment, all that good stuff. Yeah. And keep up with us. We'll keep up with you. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Till then, this is Debris in Turn 3. My name is Matt. My name is Dan. Peace out, guys. Adios. Adios.